Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, uh, today on Irish Tech News, uh, we're continuing uh, uh, with a, both an Irish and an overseas perspective. So, first of all, uh, who do we have the pleasure of speaking to today? Hey, my name's Oshin, and I'm Director of Engineering at Extreme Push. So, look, uh, first of all, Oshin, uh, and I know we were just talking about how uh, we'd had some educational crossover. Uh, is it a logical journey to what you do now from maybe when you were at school or college or before, or do you feel that? Uh, what you do now is not maybe what you would have expected you would have done before. Yeah, definitely a, a somewhat logical journey is what I'd say, but uh, with a few interesting stops along the way. I uh, started off doing physics um, in Trinity for four years, uh, graduated in the middle of the recession. So my original plan was to go off to do a PhD, uh, but that never happened. Uh, the, the plan of hanging around academia for uh, many, many years didn't materialize. So after that, I did a postgrad in computer science in DIT, a one-year postgrad, and then joined uh, version one, which is an Irish consultancy. Um, uh, in version one, I worked as a DevOps engineer for a number of years, moved into more of an architecture role, so less hands-on, less coding, a lot more um, oversight of the, the kind of bigger picture style of things, then moved into more of a management role. And then uh, a year and a half ago, I left and I joined Extreme Push as director of engineering. So here I look after all of our software dev teams, DevOps teams, and mobile dev teams as well. Cool. So, I mean, th- th- that's that's quite an interesting position to now be in now. So I guess my, my question would be, um, uh, what what are you working on now? And it sounds like you maybe have to have a deep understanding of a lot of different technologies. Uh, would that be a fair characterization? And what else is it that you're working on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm responsible kind of across our entire stack. So front end, back end, architecture, data flows, data engineering. Um, I would say, yeah, deep understanding of tech across the board is pretty important. But then also I work very closely with the product side of things. So talking with the product team, understanding where the market is going, what new features we need, working with our architecture team on, hey, how do we evolve our technical architecture to the next level? Where is the industry going? What new tools, technologies are out there that we should be taking taking advantage of? So definitely quite quite a broad understanding of tech in general and then deep understanding uh, across our stack is pretty, pretty important for us. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I guess uh, coming back from my, my time as a software engineer, there are many ways to do these things. Uh, and therefore, sometimes you're just working with maybe what's the most appropriate tool for, for, for you guys at any moment in time. So in your position, how, how, how do you make that assessment of, of what technologies to use maybe now, how long you use them for, and how do you future-proof what you're doing to ensure that you continue to have you know, the best tools to deliver what you need to deliver? That's a really great question. Um, I'd say it's about balancing a lot of different constraints when it comes to technology in terms of how new is it, how legacy is it, 
um, what do the team I have know, um, where are our strengths, where are our weaknesses when it comes to that technology, would I need to upskill people to start using it? Um, if for legacy technologies that we have in place already, is it a case of, yeah, it's there, it does the job and we don't need to change anything? Or actually, this is quite a lot of tech debt. It's really expensive for us to maintain and we want to rip it out and replace it with something new. Um, there's a cost to everything. Like there, there, there's a cost, uh, there's an initial cost to bring in any new technology in terms of training, upskilling, people getting to know it, people getting used to using it. So it's balancing that cost with all the benefits that come along with any new technology in the industry. So that's really the key thing is what is the tech or the tool? Why do we want it? What benefits does it bring? What's the cost of implementing it? And uh, do the team want to work in that technology as well? There's no point bringing in something new that none of the team want to work with or are interested in working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, that makes sense. Yeah, and as you say, you're you're, you're juggling all of those factors. Um, so for you in your role and and with the company, if if things go well for you, uh, and we talk to you in a year's time or eighteen months time, what 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 will good look like if you if if you turn around to us and say it's been a successful uh, year to eighteen months? So over the next kind of year to eighteen months, we're definitely doing a big push on AI and AI marketing. Um, I know it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but uh, we're seeing a really, really good productization of AI that makes it that makes the barrier to entry much lower. So we want to take advantage of that as much as possible because we think that's definitely an area that will significantly drive value for our customers. So a big thing for me is what are the new tools in the market? Uh, how do we take advantage of them? Where will they add value to the, to our platform? And in 12 months time, 18 months time, if I can look back and say, hey, we did all these new things. They were super, super effective. Our, all our customers are using them and all our customers are doing much better because of the tooling and the platform that we've implemented. That's definitely success for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. That's 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 a nice, clear uh, goal to, to be able to assess it with. Now, so um, like you know about AI, we know about AI, AI winters, AI optimism, media over optimism. So you're suggesting that, that there is now maybe a, a point where we're seeing a real business value in AI. So um, to be devil's advocate, uh, are we at another point of, of overhype or are we seeing some real business potential from using these technologies? I'd say, it, I'd say it's a mixture of the two. There's definitely hype in some areas, uh, but the great thing now is how accessible AI tools are. You don't need a full team of data scientists to, to, to do anything in AI these days. Uh, the algorithms have been around for many years, but now you have companies like OpenAI who have been trading models for years upon years upon years on massive stacks of hardware uh, on a huge scale. And now they've been able to release it as a product um, with open AIs that are simple or with open APIs that are simple, that are affordable to plug into that we can start really, really taking advantage of. Uh, Google, AWS, all the big cloud platforms as well have a number of tools and services based around AI that are very, very simple to plug into, as I said, uh, APIs for everything. And that means taking advantage of these tools is super, super easy. There's still an element of overhype. AI won't solve all the world's problems, but for us, it's really about how do we reduce the manual effort on our customer's side? How do we make it easier? How do we reduce the amount of friction it takes to 
uh, we're, we're a marketing company, a MarTech company. So it's about uh, making it easier for marketing teams to launch campaigns, to reach out to their user base, to reach out to the right users at the right time with the right message. So uh, that there's a big element there that AI can help uh, reduce the boring, the mundane, and really get to the value side of things quicker um, in a lot of different ways. Uh, that being said, there, there's always hype around AI and there has been hype around it for years and you have to watch out for the pitfalls as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, and which we'll talk about, although I guess one thing though is, is that, that you know, it's that thing, you know, uh, is, is it creepy or, or is it cool? And when it's cool, we just use it and we don't think about it. And when it's creepy, then that's the bit where we have to work out whether it's whether it's working or not and uh, and so i'm going to ask you about pitfalls um, and i guess one of them that uh, has been mooted is is that you you know you potentially have you know you could end up with bots talking to bots you know <laughs> but so is is that not a problem and, and what are the possible pitfalls uh bots talking to bots absolutely um probably not directly for us in our space um I, i'd say one of the one of the big tools at the moment, ChatGPT, uh, which a lot of people will have heard about, is something yeah. that we're looking to integrate in uh, from a marketing copywriting perspective. So, for example, uh, you want to uh, write a new email to your audience and you want a couple of taglines to get started with. Awesome. Super, super easy. And one of the things that AI is really, really good at. What you have to be careful about then is uh, you don't use it as a single source of truth. So there's a lot of people asking ChatGPT questions, getting it to write essays. The problem is it's it's not a real person. It's just pulling from a database somewhere. And it's the algorithms are really, really interesting, but uh, there's a lot of stuff it spits out that is completely untrue and it states it as fact. So th that's one of the mm -hmm. biggest pitfalls, especially with ChatGPT is just because the answer you get out makes sense doesn't mean it's true. So you really, really do need a human there to parse the outputs, tweak it, using it as a launch pad, use it as a starting point, but don't just take it verbatim and plug it into emails, essays, et cetera, that you're writing up. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and I, it, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, to me, Grammarly is a good example of that. Grammarly helps catch typos and dumb things, but Grammarly can't and really shouldn't be writing your essay because it you know this is the idea that ideally uh the ai is pushing the human further up the value chain that the humans delivering the insights and the valuable information and and the grammarly ai-esque type devices are just stopping you know the uh the unnecessary you know fails so uh th that's what i'm hearing from you and i guess therefore while while keeping that in mind, how, how will businesses start to take advantage of this? I guess, what are the opportunities that you see and, and other areas where you think things will be able to be done better? Yeah, there's, a, there's lots of different things. Um, so outside of the chat side of things, uh, AI, let's say painting or drawing has taken a huge leap. You see the likes of DALI and uh, Midjourney uh, effectively uh, getting to the point where you can create photorealistic uh, artwork uh, with a couple of prompts. Th this is definitely an area on the marketing side of things that we're interested in because it could potentially, if not replace, at least plug a huge gap in stock photos. So if you're looking for 
a new image uh, just to, to go with your email. You can give an AI a prompt and you get a lovely image exactly how you want it, uh, even if no one has taken that photo ever before. And it's something that you'd never find on the stock, uh, stock photo marketplace. So that's one area I think is going to be super, super interesting in the marketing world is being able to generate any kind of stock photo you want on the fly. Okay. Well, okay. Well, so that's cool because that makes me think of Seth Godin and his purple squirrels or his purple cows, you know, that, 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 that would actually be really useful because obviously, uh, with us and when we do stories, uh, we do use, uh, stock images, uh, um, and there are quite a few good services out there, but sometimes they don't quite have what I want. And therefore that would be really interesting if I could say, well, actually, you know, I, I want a squirrel riding a spaceship around a black hole or something. So is that the kind of thing that you're visualizing? Exactly. Yeah. And you can do that today now um, for, for it, it's been out for a couple of years and the images you get would be not fantastic. But in the last few months, again, there's been a massive, massive step change in the AI tools in, in the artwork space. And now, yeah, you can get a purple squirrel riding a rocket around a black hole. And not only that, you'll get 10 different versions of it and you can choose which one you like the best. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I can see people adopting that. Um, with, with Extreme Push, um, who's, who's, who's your market? Who are your clients? Are, are, are you servicing Irish mostly or is it Irish and overseas? Uh, I guess, what, what, what's, what's your spread on that one? Um, fully around the globe. We've got Irish, UK, European, US, EMEA, um, Africa, Asia. So we, we've got customers uh, working 24-7 around the globe. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a good spread all over the place for us. Mm -hmm. Look, which is great. And then that way, I guess people come to you because of what the the quality of what you deliver rather than where you're specifically located which uh can be really useful i guess you know ireland like finland like israel uh you can do well then if you start to get clients beyond your your own borders yeah yeah and i think we've got a really really good product um our customers are always happy with uh what we've delivered we've got uh 99.9 percent .9 retention rate i believe or something something to that effect so yeah, it's it's we've been it's great to see the growth from a native Irish company uh, building up a good customer base here and then expanding all over the world and getting business all over the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so for for you, Oshin, to remain uh, up to date and inspired, what are your sources of information and inspiration? Uh, lots lots of different places. Um, LinkedIn, always see a few good articles going up there. Uh, there's a few people I follow on Twitter. Um, I read uh, books in the kind of tech management space. So um, Neil Fournier is one that I've read recently that was really, really good. Um, Jonathan and Melissa Nightingale uh, also uh, do a leadership uh, kind of a newsletter and they've got a book called Unmanageable that came out around managing people during the pandemic. That, that one was really, really interesting as well. So yeah, yeah. a few different sources, books, online, blogs, everything. And would you see that as like the the, the, the manifestation of the fact that, that AI can and will do a lot of things well, but there's still going to be a, a, a value space for humans uh, uh, interacting with that? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think any that AI would replace any of that kind of stuff. Um, in fact, I've I've come across a few AI generated articles, and it's very very easy to spot them straight away um, because they can start to make sense at the start, and then it turns into gobbledygook halfway down. So you have to have that that human level on top. You, you can get inspiration to start with with the AI tooling, but uh, they they won't replace humans end to end at all. It just, I think you said earlier, pushes the the human side higher up the value chain. Look, uh, I, I would agree with you. And I was uh, reading some AI generated poetry uh, yesterday as an example of that, that you started to read it and you were like, this just makes no sense. You know, like it, I can see why they began paralleling, paralleling human whimsy, but then it moves into nonsense. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Oshin, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. So how can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah, you can. Uh, the easiest way to get in touch with me is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just uh, fire me over a message. Uh, you can also check out the Extreme Push website or get in touch with anyone at Extreme Push. Give me, give me a shout if you'd like to learn more about what we do in the marketing and martechs. Perfect. Uh, that's great. So it's been lovely to speak to you, Oshin. Thanks, Simon. Cheers for that. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.